Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the cold world, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. That arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan. So Rosen, thank you for coming on the call. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself for listeners not familiar with you, and we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks, Todd, for having me. Uh, I'm Rosen Sharma. I'm CEO of Now.gg, uh, which provides, uh, you know, mobile cloud and mm-hmm. uh, look forward to our conversation. I'm excited because you have a, a very rich background in technology and more specifically lately, you've been doing a lot in the gaming space. So uh, I, I read a nice story about you in Forbes, actually, uh, which talked about your your jump over to the gaming space. So kind of tell us a little bit about how that worked for you. Yeah, you know, in 2011, so before 2011, I had only done uh, enterprise kind of startups. Mm-hmm. And this is my eighth startup, so I'm uh, old. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, you know, our CTO, who was, uh, uh, was in Switzerland with his kids. And, you know, if you are on the train in Switzerland and you have two kids and you want them to be quiet, you just hand over your phone and <laughs> let them play. Right? Sure. And uh, so they got home and you have to imagine this is before iPad or anything came out, right? They got home and they wanted to play the same games. And of course, the kids didn't have phones, smartphones back then. So we got this idea that, uh, you know, it may be interesting to have, you know, games that are available on mobile be available on other platforms. The first incarnation of that was BlueStacks, which enabled you to play games on your PC and, you know, and we have always wanted to bring that to the cloud, uh, but the cloud infrastructure just did not exist. So I think as the infrastructure has evolved, you know, the kids remain the same. They just want to play games all the time everywhere. So the market has expanded. And I think, you know, there's something very interesting has happened, which is if you think over the last 10 years, you know, we have now 5 billion people with, mobile phones uh, so we are seeing you know it's a big shift i think it's just natural that all the content that's on the phones comes to the cloud it makes a lot of sense and that's that's interesting background on sort of your trajectory through uh gaming technology because i first became familiar with your work through BlueStacks, and uh, right. not only had i played games using BlueStacks, but i don't know how much of this you hear but BlueStacks is also very popular among the uh, Android app developer crowd because you, you can sideload an app through BlueStacks, and it's actually a nicely contained way to get uh, emulation set up to test an, an app. Android Studio depends on very advanced knowledge of the actual Android operating system, and for a lot of game developers who just are trying to port from uh, you know PC to mobile or trying to do a multi-platform release, we don't always know all of that intricate knowledge about Android and BlueStacks was actually a great way to test some things. Is that, is that something you hear a lot or is that somewhat new? Yeah, I think the usage is pretty wide. So we just, uh, last year it crossed uh, 1 billion downloads, hmm. which just boggles my mind. Actually, to tell you the story, the day we launched it, we didn't quite launch it. You know, some gentleman knocked on our door and the gentleman turned out to be Tim Bajarin from Creative you know, strategies, he, 
He had an office next door. <laughs> he walked by, are you the same guy that Lenovo is asking me about? And we were like, we have no idea who you are. So I literally told him no solicitation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so he writes a blog article and our website goes down and, you know, completely everything crashes because we were like not ready to like advertise or promote. And first day we got 75,000 downloads. We were like, wow, people actually like this stuff, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's grown and grown and it keeps growing like, now we get about 250,000 to 300,000 downloads a day. We don't spend much on marketing, you know, it's mostly word of mouth. And uh, so what, what you are saying actually uh, is a lot of people use it, a lot of streamers use it. Like if you're streaming mobile games, you're using BlueStacks. That's, yeah. just, uh, that's very common use. A lot of the devs use it. And actually the tech is very, very complicated. Like if you think about it, it's a full virtualization stack built as a downloadable product mm -hmm. um, it's really complicated tech and you know the use case because the users want it you saw apple now you know offers that you can play ios apps on mac and you know we are seeing uh, microsoft announced that you know they are going to bring android apps but of course then they announced they can't bring them because it's not that easy yeah uh, you know the tech is really really hard so for us uh, so that's the use case you know you start on the pc and then the natural thing is, you know, you want the cloud after that because it's just so much easier for everybody to use the cloud. So I think that was a natural evolution. And I know there's a ton going on under the hood with BlueStacks. So uh, the fact that you, from my perspective, have simplified it so much is is uh, just very telling about how successful uh, you've been at, at simplifying that process for us. I'm sure it's not always fun on your end, <laughs> Try, trying to make it accessible for everybody, trying to keep up with uh, the changes in, in the Android system and the changes in the preferred things. But for streamers, it's great. For people trying to um, record trailers for apps for the app stores, it's it's great. There, there are a lot of really great things. So when I heard BlueStacks, I said, yes, let's have him on. That sounds great to me. <laughs> the other complexity is just, you know, if you get 250,000 people downloading, on any given day, there are about 70,000 apps played. And, you know, PCs are not like phones. They are all different, mm -hmm. right? You have different motherboards, graphics cards, drivers, versions, this, that, and all over the world, right? So to that matrix is so complex like you know you may have a game which works fine for you and works fine for me but doesn't work for somebody in brazil right so how do you even find that and track that so we actually have a huge ai system in the cloud which tracks all that and sees you know how your game is doing in different regions and countries and that's the only way you can build a system at that scale so it's pretty fascinating, like what goes on behind the scenes. So it does seem like very cool work, and uh, I'm so glad that there are people so much smarter than me uh, at figuring those problems out. Because again, from the standpoint of I would like to develop an Android app, that alone, just like you said, it does not work the same on every phone, every device. You'll you'll but... continuously find out about new problems for new users, and it's just. It's really wild. So I'm not surprised there's some uh, AI technology uh, being applied there. And that's that's something you kind of specialize in also, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's just become part of, you know, who we are these days. You know, whether you're using Google Photos or you're using BlueStacks or you're using something else, it's always there under the hood, right? So. You have uh, applied some AI stuff to 
sort of the esports uh, tournament world also. Isn't that isn't that correct? Yeah. So when we looked at actually the game.tv was kind of born out of uh, BlueStacks in the sense that we saw lots and lots of communities doing tournaments. And, you know, when we looked at the esport world today, the challenge with the esport world was that, you know, you have these big tournaments or, you know, big influencers are doing tournaments. But, you know, you look at like, I just want to do a tournament with my friends or with my, you know, college <laughs> buddies or things like that. And those are really hard to do. Yeah. Like, you know, everything is manual. You keep an Excel spreadsheet or something like that. And so our goal with Game.tv was to enable community tournaments like just run by the community for the community, you know, and just to make those very easy. So how do you make that easy, right? So we had to do a lot of AI to automate the process of doing uh, those tournaments and things like that. Mm -hmm. And that's been really cool. Like Game.TV, I think, just crossed 5 million downloads uh, in the Google Play Store. And I think we are doing anywhere from 1,000 to 3,000 tournaments a day. And, you know, they're happening all over the place. We don't, I mean, we don't do them. People do them. They just use the platform. So it's uh, it's uh, very rewarding in that sense that, uh, uh, you know, to see the adoption. And I really think like, you know, you can't have the NFL without having people playing, you know, on, at home or in their school. You cannot have, you know, baseball without the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You need that whole infrastructure of the pyramid. And uh, I think to do that, you have to bring the cost of, you know, operating and doing these tournaments lower and you have to like, you know, make it brain dead easy for people to uh, enjoy this stuff. So I've read some interesting things about game.tv in terms of what, what it aims to do, because it makes sense that with mobile being such a, a wide reach, you know, it, it makes console and PC sort of pale in comparison. So when you really think about the highest potential of esports, it does seem like it's out there in the mobile space and with uh, people who want to do it a little more casually, but be competitive and have the fun tournaments and everything. So is that the ultimate goal to sort of put it in the hands of whoever would like to have it and sort of make that that minor league kind of decentralized in a way? Yeah, I think it's hard in the U.S. to relate to it because U.S. tends to be PC and console centric. Mm-hmm. But, you know, vast majorities of people, the only gaming they know is mobile. right? And people are competitive. Yeah. So I think the, you are beginning to see mobile esports kind of emerge. It's not so much dominant in the U.S. like U.S. You, know, you look at the top Twitch channels. They are mostly shooters, you know, yeah. and you have CSGO, Dota, and League of Legends, you know, Overwatch. And, uh, but when you go to the West, you know, the, it's Honor of Kings, like China, Honor of Kings is largest uh, esport title in the world, but nobody, I mean, most people in the US don't even know what it is. Right. <laughs> so I think there is some, I mean, it's going both ways, right? There's more console and PC in that direction. There's more mobile in our direction. But yeah, I think the fundamental premise is that the mobile market is now three times bigger than, or at least double than PC and console combined. And, uh, you know, the number of players are much more. And uh, the interest in mobile esports is growing and will continue to grow. 
I read one thing that you accomplished, which was figuring out who the active players are and predicting, you know, who's going to be active in a situation. Like, what what are some of those cool little problems you've figured out by applying sort of, you know, machine learning and all, all that stuff? I think the biggest thing from an esports perspective, you know, the way we want to do it is the that if you are hosting a tournament or running a tournament or playing a tournament, you the technology almost becomes invisible, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's almost necessary because like for Brawl Stars, you know, Game.TV does a lot of Brawl Stars tournaments uh, on the platform. The well, There are a lot of tournaments where the players are less than 10 years old. Now, mm-hmm. you cannot make that out when they're playing. They're really, really good, Yeah. right? But, you know, when they chat and things like that, you can make out. These are just, you know, they're really, really young. I mean, they're gifted, but they're young, right? And uh, so they're good at the games, but they're not good at organization. I mean, you cannot imagine a nine-year-old holding a 250% tournament, right? Yeah. And so, but that's what they're able to do um, with Game.TV, right? And so I think, so that's, you know, all these small places where, have their teammates joined? Have their teammates not joined? You know, did somebody pass on their invitation to their buddy and they are not playing? You know, what are the interesting parts of the game? All that stuff, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, needs when you think about tournaments at that size, it needs to be automated and it needs to, you know, all the things that can go wrong, go wrong. So I think that's where, you know, all the machine learning helps because it can detect by observing the stream of the tournament, uh, what is happening in the tournament, and then, you know, uh, make several actions based on that. So Mm -hmm. having the kind of expertise in this that you do now, you guys, I'm sure have uh, strategic partnerships you have to figure out all the time. Is it difficult to sort of sell the people around you on this stuff and help them understand that, you know, mobile does have the reach and games are going the places that they're going. I mean, or or is there an understanding that's sort of developing throughout technology? I think the it depends upon where the people are coming from, right? So, <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, in the U.S., there was a thinking that esports is going to go the way of the NBA. We need to have these pro teams and we'll be streaming uh, this content and you know if you look two years ago there was a big rush to buy pro teams like nfl teams wanted to own a pro team and that's one model but for those kind of games it's unlikely that you will get mobile in there anytime soon right so i think it depends upon who you talk to and where those people come from if you talk to anybody in asia i mean it's you don't even have to <laughs> tell them you have to convince them that pc gaming will be big <laughs> a PC sports will be big, right? So it goes the other way. So I think it's more country specific and region specific rather than people specific. They are, I mean, there are regions in the world where which were mobile first, and there you don't have to explain anything. And then there are countries which were, you know, console first or PC first, and there um, people don't look at mobile games as real esport. Let's talk about our sponsor, App Figures. App Figures is all about giving game makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. You may know them for analytics and app store optimization. Now, App Figures can help you track competitors from downloads and dollar amounts to audience demographics and even which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence gives you great context. 
If a competitor adds a new feature or gets mentioned in the news, app figures can tell you if that brought in more downloads. If you have an idea for a new app or a game, app figures can tell you how big the market is and how much money it could make you. That is just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, app figures has the tools you need to reduce risk and get more downloads. You don't need a huge budget or a data science degree. App Figures has made it affordable and simple. They provide the tools and they can guide you step by step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. Head to appfigures.com slash on slash game dev breakdown to try App Figures for free. If you like it, use our special code GDB3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. The cloud is the next natural step. That makes a lot of sense. I definitely had a couple of aha moments reading about, you know, I, I didn't know about now.gg or what you guys were uh, sort of building toward there, but it does seem that we're getting to a point where maybe we're starting to outgrow, you know, app store control and uh, app distribution the way it's traditionally been done. And uh, it seems like now.gg is looking beyond that in a way that I, I don't know that a lot of people are looking yet. So uh, how does that kind of work? I think the, you know, we can, my view on this is follow the kids. Mm -hmm. right? So I have four daughters and, you know, the oldest one is 19 and the youngest one is nine. And this is how they usually play. They'll go on Discord and they ask your friends, hey, what do you want to play today? <laughs> Right. And whatever, you know, their conversation ends up being, they end up playing that. You know, so if you think about it, if I put a link in Discord and all you had to do was to click the link and play the game, you would get way more people playing it than if I had to click the link, download, set up something and then play the game. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think this is something which everybody kind of intuitively gets. Right. If you make it as simple as that, two things begin to happen. One, you know, you may be very serious into your game. Your friends may not be serious into your game. So it's not, one is that I can play the game easily, but it's more that all my friends can play the same game easily, <laughs> right? So I can play with all of them because most people tend to, you know, uh, that's how the kids play these days. They just start with Discord. They don't start with the game. The earlier it used to be, you were playing a game and you got onto Discord to do voice chat. Yeah. Right. So it has completely flipped in that sense. Right. So I think that's one of the big things that it enables you to play with your friends much more easily than you could ever before. And uh, I think the second thing that goes along with that is that, you know, you can share. Um, and sharing, I mean, you know, I can send a link. I can send a link to you. You can send a link to me. Right. And uh, that's how most people discover. Uh, what's happening mm -hmm. and uh, so to give you an example so we have we are adding a developer a week almost or two developers a week uh, to the who are coming to the cloud and what we observe is so they put up a page you know it says okay here you can play this game after like even after like 10 days the google rank of that page goes like through the roof <laughs> and it's most fascinating it's not something we expected or thought about or predicted but what happens is people begin putting backlinks to the page. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it happens organically, right? So you can almost see that it's spreading through the community, right? 
And I think that's one of the biggest beauties of it that uh, it completely changes how games are played and discovered. And it's more in line with what kids today are doing. And so to go back to your app store question, I think the it brings all the mobile content to the web and the web tends to be more open uh, mm-hmm. in general. Uh, so I think that's that will happen eventually. But I think the... F- First step in that direction is that, you know, it fits better with how kids operate these days. Yeah. So from the developer's perspective, one, for example, one of the developers you mentioned is, is coming on right now. That looks to them like they're developing their app like normal. They're hosting it in the cloud with you. From the player's perspective, they play from a browser page on their phone? Like it just opens up in the browser? Is that yeah, right? you can play a PC, Chrome, you know a Chromebook, phone, iOS, Android, wherever mm-hmm. you want to play. Yeah. So they're kind of getting that same experience, whatever device they're able to do it. And from there, it looked like you had your own analytics they can look over and uh, you know payment processing that can be incorporated, stuff like that. So you're really sort of skipping the, uh, the App Store trouble, but it, it's also creating a, a situation where everybody can... Uh, it makes a ton of sense that... Google would see it and those links would start to be a big deal and everything. And it's it's got a much bigger presence that way, it seems like, right? Right. And actually, I think the other thing it does is, you know, like you look at China, right? The interesting thing about China is that in mobile, it happens first in China. And the reason for that is there is no app stores. It's like the Wild West, you know, <laughs> so you see business models iterate uh, way faster, So, you know, business models come, some survive, some die, you know, but the iteration and the innovation in the business models and what the developers can do happens at a much faster rate, right? Simply because there are less controls. It's not like anybody's. uh... So I think one of the things which happens is because we are beginning to see this in the PC space, but we have not yet seen it in the mobile space because user-generated content in mobile space is so hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you can't do it on your phone. And, uh, you know, you can't view those things on your phone also if they interact with the live gaming. But uh, once you put it in the cloud, user-generated content just makes sense because you can do all that in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to see, you know, all these innovations of user-generated content with monetization, you know, how the game developers can monetize the game and different assets in the game. So I think a whole new dimension opens up, which is just not possible to do on the, you know, on the mobile ecosystems today. How far along is this? I mean, how long has this been around? Are there uh, apps that are already active this way? I mean, where where does it stand right now? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty big. So, you know, now.gg we launched as a B2B service. So basically, if you're a game developer, you can use it and put your game up on your website. And uh, we have over 50 game developers uh, who have been using it for over a year, almost nine months now. Hmm. Uh, The service became live sometime in January. We announced it in March, April timeframe. And uh, yeah, it gets a lot of usage and it's growing constantly. So, and I think, you know, when I look back, see in nineties, we got all this PC explosion. Everybody got a PC, you know, in the first, and then we got, Amazon, Azure, Google, which I call the PC clouds, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, basically what ran in your PC moved to the cloud. And then when you look at last 10 years, I mean, we had zero mobile smartphones 2010. And, you know, we have 5 billion 2020. So when I pr- project from 2020 to 2030, 
you know, everything that runs on the phone is going to move to the cloud. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the service, you know, there's uh, more than 50 game devs on it, a lot of large ones who everybody would know um, in the mobile space. And so I, I find it really exciting. I think it's, uh, you know, and it's not just the ability to get the game on the cloud. It's like it frees you to innovate mm-hmm. from a game developer point of view. You know, it frees the users from innovating and sharing and, you know, developing user-generated content. I think that that's a very potent mix right there. Yeah. I, I can tell you just off the top of my head, one of the big pain points for me as an app developer was updates. So if I, you know, as we mentioned, Android, especially on that side, uh, any change to the operating system might break something. I might need to try to react very quickly and I can, but getting updates out in one or more app stores is not a simple task sometimes. And it's it seems to me, I can't think of any reason why your developers wouldn't be able to update much faster uh, to, to fix a, a broken feature, uh, keep the content fresh. I mean, right? Right. I think once you begin to think of it as a web application, you know, then, and also you are in control, right? It's not, the platform is not mandating you to do anything, but the app is being served from your website. Mm-hmm. So I think you are much more in control. You can update it as frequently as you want and do it 20 times a day. You know, so, you know, those gates are in your hands rather than they being in somebody else's hand. I can't help but wonder why Epic didn't try this with Fortnite, you know, stuff like that. I, I think of some of the the troubles that big studios have had lately and particularly with like we don't like the rules in the mobile space or, or whatever it is with the reach we talked about, the player bases, the the money we know Epic was making. You know, it's it's not a simple matter to just jump into the cloud, but boy, it, this seemed like a better route, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think the we are beginning to see it, again, happen in different uh, geographies. I, I think the mobile cloud is very different than the PC cloud and the economics of it are very different uh, as opposed to like Genshin Impact in China. So Genshin Impact made a killing, right? It's a 20 GB game. I mean, and it downloads like 10 GB seems like every... 20 days or so. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't even think I can get it on my phone. I don't even know if that's <laughs> that much spare capacity. So they are doing, you know, a game which is a cloud version, but it's their PC version, not the mobile version. Also, when you think of the genre of the game, um, you know, shooters are one of the hardest games to bring on the cloud because they are so latency sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so when Fortnite started and where we are, you know, the cloud has also evolved. Uh, like you did not have, you know, data centers right next to your home that you could be one hop from them, right? So all that has evolved. So some decisions which you could have thought of differently three years ago, uh, you know, maybe you do them differently now. So I don't know what the thinking was, but it is definitely possible to do. But I think it was not possible to do three years ago. That's probably true, yeah. Right. Uh, so I think there is a lot of evolution in this space. Um just from an infrastructure perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also think another way to think about it is, you know, we've historically have compute, storage, and network, right? And we go in cycles. So at some point, compute becomes cheap, but networking was very expensive, right? We mm-hmm. all remember our data plans, which yeah. were not unlimited. <laughs> and uh, then you got network, which became abundant, and compute became the limitation, right? So we just go in cycles. Um, and I think. One of the things which is happening 
is that with 5G, it's going to completely flip. Like network won't be the, I've experienced 5G in Korea, the whole one GB movie downloaded in less than three seconds. Oof. I was like, what? <laughs> it's done? You know, and it is amazing. Like, it's just like, it's not what you think. And you cannot go backwards. Like once you <laughs> experience that, you want it, right? Yeah. And so the, our equation of how we think about, you know, the network and this is uh, going to change completely. Uh, so I think it, we, it's pretty fascinating. New sponsor alert. This episode is brought to you in part by Mudstack. Mudstack is the only asset management and collaboration platform custom built for game studios and digital artists. If you're an artist or your team works with artists, you might need more than the old school source control that only handles code and config files. You need a solution built for you. Mudstack is a digital asset management, version control, and review platform custom built for artists and game studios. Handle all your game assets from concept to completion, group and tag your assets, do easy visual comparisons, approve work, switch between iterations, and more. Soon you'll be able to customize pipelines and take advantage of simple plugin integration with Unity and Unreal. These guys understand game development and they want to help you stay focused on what matters. Level up your game art and your art game with Mudstack. Get started for free in just a few minutes at mudstack.com. Welcome Mudstack. Big thanks for sponsoring the show. I feel like we're headed toward more and more of this in terms of, um, yeah, I, I even think I read a bit on the, the now.gg site that you're, you're kind of looking toward a time when more and more of the, the phone's content, more of the apps, you know, not just games, but more of everything is sort of delivered this way. And I mean, are we kind of headed toward, you know, cloud operating systems for devices, things like that? Yeah, I think the one, you know, uh, thing we are working on, which again, I find fascinating is what we call the infinity phone, uh, where the cloud kind of hides behind the phone. So you get a phone, you run an app, you don't even know whether it's running in the cloud or it's running on your phone. You know, it automatically makes this decision. And uh, so what we have built in the cloud is what we call now cloud OS, you know, which runs, which is completely distributed operating system. So it, some part of it can run on your phone, some part of it can run in the cloud. And uh, we are, you are already beginning to see this, like Google Photos, if you use it, you know, it keeps storage in the cloud, but you can see all your photos on the phone. Like you don't have to worry about what's here, what's there. It's kind of seamless, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that with the uh, 5G or if you're on Wi-Fi, you can achieve that level of seamlessness. I think that's when it becomes really, really useful. Like yeah. you just don't, you just stop worrying about it. And I think for phones, even more than with PCs, because the average consumer using the phone is not tech savvy, right? Yeah. So if it just worked for them, uh, it it would be fine. So I think that's the you know what you are alluding to that I envision a point in the future where, and not too far future, like you could see it next year where. You know, you would have phones which just seamlessly work with the cloud. You know, the phone decides, oh, my phone is full. I don't have space for Genshin Impact. Run Genshin Impact in the cloud, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, or I don't have, you know, it's better. I'm not in a good network environment, so let it run locally, right? So it could make trade-offs dynamically, completely transparent to you. I think the cloud infrastructure is in a state where this is possible. 
And we have definitely architected our system to make that possible. Do you think we head this way eventually with PCs too, in a, in a way that's a bit more effective than we've done in the past? I mean, I, I feel like the Chromebook made a, a run at this at, at a certain point. Like you said, a few years ago, it, it wasn't nearly as viable. But I mean, do we head this way with all of our devices at some point? Yeah, I think you have to figure out the economics, right? Uh, so who pays for it? Because cloud is not free in the end, right? So is mm. the consumer paying for it? Is the game developer paying for it? Is like, who is paying for the cloud? So I think that's one of the things. Um, each ecosystem is so different. Like, you know, I, I never understood how PC gaming clouds would work. Because PC game, like, I pay $70 once, and then I can play for my lifetime on the cloud. I mean, somebody's losing money yeah. constantly. The more I play, the worse it is for somebody, right? So it doesn't make, like, the incentive is not aligned in some sense. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is a part of the cloud because, you know, if you think of Chromebook, Chromebook mostly is, I want a cheap computer, right? So all schools gave you Chromebooks, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I get this computer. Am I really willing to pay $20 a month or $10 a month subscription with it? I don't know. Right? So yeah. the question is who pays? And it's I think true. you have to figure that out. And I think the mobile ecosystem, you know, that it's not just the tech because we have been in this ecosystem for a long time. Uh, we have solved that business problem, which enables, you know, the tech to get out and uh, become diversified and be deployed. But I think that's that goes hand in hand. So tech, I think it will, what you're saying is possible now. And we are beginning to see it, like the Microsoft announcement for Windows, where now Windows is available in the cloud or on your PC quite seamlessly. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's just, you're seeing the same manifestation. But the business side of it also needs to be solved. So. I think we saw that with Google Stadia. Uh, they okay. they tried to solve that problem there, and I think it was a noble effort. But I, from what I understand, I think it was a, an ongoing subscription, which wasn't very much. There was also a cost per game, which a lot of people didn't like. And, uh, you know, even even being Google, it apparently didn't make enough sense for them to continue. So, yeah, it sounds like... There's there's still some stuff to figure out on the console and the the PC side because I mean consoles are trying to head that way too now right Microsoft uh, is doing cloud gaming uh, this holiday season I think they're going to start doing cloud gaming from the Xbox Series S and Series X right okay and I think there you know like EA brought out their library I mean the EA was the first one right they said for a hundred dollars a year or something you can play as many games as you want. <laughs> And I think from their perspective, if you looked at the economics, the average user didn't even consume $100 of the library. So, uh, you know, it made sense for them. And I think the Xbox Game Pass people value a lot because, you know, for that price, you can try a lot of games. But like, if you look in the mobile space, the games are all free. It's true. Right? So, it like, what does a subscription service for mobile even mean? Right? <laughs> so, and it's a completely different answer. But I think, yeah, you have to solve the business problem along with the tech problem. Otherwise, it goes nowhere. So, In terms of uh, now.gg, now how are you onboarding devs right now? Are you being selective still? Or is there sort of an open invite for, you know, interested folks? How's it work? Yeah, actually, if you're interested, you can get it on. We are uh, in the process of releasing a self-serve portal. So you never have to talk to us, which is how <laughs> I like most dev platforms to be. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to get my game on wherever I want it, right? 
but it's open invite for everyone. Most of the devs coming to us are mostly word of mouth or people you know who have known us over the years and want to bring their games on the cloud. And you know the other thing that happens is we have games from most genres now on the cloud, so they can experience their competitors' games and see the quality is good and what the user experience is. And you know I can talk as much as I want, but you can play a game for 15 minutes and you know exactly whether you like it or you don't like it. So I think that once you know you can experience it, um, uh, most of the devs get it. Like I asked most of the you know game dev CEOs, "Hey, will you be in the cloud in the next three years?" You say, "Oh yes, of course." <laughs> and you know the ones who are hesitant, I say, "Can you imagine being in 2012 and saying you're not going to bring your game to mobile?" <laughs> it's yeah. exactly the same you know question. It's just a different tech cycle. And uh, so it's just question of, you know, the next question of how easy it is, how much work I have to do, and this and that. I said, why don't you try it? <laughs> yeah. Is um, is there a learning curve at all to uh, sort of use the platform? Or are there other things, you know, developers have to figure out on their end, or is it pretty smooth already? I mean, if you have a game, you can pretty much get it on the cloud within five minutes. The rest is optimization, so... That's that's great. So and that's good for for you also because it sounds like you probably don't have to spend too much time doing that talking with developers who are going how how do I do this, you know, right? Right. There are so many advantages. Like, you know, mobile gaming if you think about it, a lot of developers, you know, if you look at their economics, the cloud changes the economics in their favor in such a big way that that is mostly the education that we do look that looks Here's all the things that are going to happen. Uh, you know, like how should you launch the cloud? Like we, like you know, most of the developers are so used to that. Oh, I will show so many ads. I will buy so many users. This is my install funnel. You know, I spent so much money. This is what I got in the end. Now with the cloud, you can think completely differently. You're like, no, no, no. You think about seeding and feeding. Like seed your social media. Like seed the Reddit's and the Discord of the world and feed it and let it let it flow like this this is what it enables it naturally flows right because this is like the web so i think that you know there is uh, uh how you think about it and how you actually how it affects your business and in a positive way i think those are more the conversations we have in terms of just getting your game and app up i think that's pretty straightforward so. mm -hmm. And because of the way this works, despite having the expertise that you have in in the uh, operating systems and devices, it sounds like you don't have to do much work to really keep up with those devices as they change, right? I mean, how often does anything surprise you at this point? Yeah, I think we have a lot of expertise in this area, but that's one of the big advantages of the cloud, right? That uh, you don't have to worry about all those devices out there. I mean, some of the you know, still, but when you get to download, like if you're getting 300,000 downloads a day or, you know, millions of users, you do find stuff, which is, where did this come from? You know, <laughs> it's always that, but the percentage of that is very small. And I mean, BlueStacks is still active for the foreseeable future, right? I mean, it seems like it's doing too well to uh, sort of look too far beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I think they both have their space. If you have good PCs, you know, you want to play on your PC. So, yeah. so I think both, yeah, I think, I mean, Rather than think of them as tech, I think if you think of it from user perspective, the users want to play it on big screen. You know, they are going to play it however they want it, right? If the user want to play with their friends or share the game, they're going to find a way to share the game. So, 
it, it's true. Oh, I think at least. Yeah, even even as a you know, I still play games when I can myself. It's harder now these days, obviously. But uh, when something really grabs me on the iPhone, especially the iPhone, I go, "This is great." I wish I could play it on, you know, my, my computer on my big screen, wish I could stream it for my, my friends. It's exactly right. It's, it's a very real issue that, um, you know, especially for content creators who, who are going, you know, there is a way to hook it up to like a MacBook and try to record. It's not very reliable. Uh, boy, this, this cross platform is a big deal when, uh, when you start on mobile, being able to branch out and play in the browser is awesome. And the way I think about it is, you know, now every user is becoming a content creator. That's where we are headed. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we saw it kind of with Instagram and Snapchat and you know uh, TikTok, and I think it's it's hap it's hap going to happen in gaming, and it is happening in gaming. So, and I think it's a good thing because we uh, in the in the game industry we have a lot of discussion about you know this player base is all guys in their thirties, and this this group is all uh, people in in this age. The more we get of everybody doing everything, <laughs> I, I think the better those environments become. And we have less stories about like, this is a club for, you know, the good old boys. And this is, <laughs> you know, just a bunch of teenage guys who are going to yell at you during Call of Duty and stuff. The more we get everybody in on everything, I, I think the better we get, right? Yeah, I think the like in the US, because I have daughters, you know, the PUBG versus Fortnite, that was the difference. The Fortnite was truly, it crossed over, right? Mm -hmm. So there were as many of their girlfriends playing Fortnite as there were boys uh, playing Fortnite in their schools, which I thought was very rare because usually girls don't play shooters. Yeah. Uh, vast majority of them, but they were all playing Fortnite. And uh, that did not happen with PUBG, but I think Fortnite has. So we are seeing these games which you know, jump these traditional boundaries. And to me, the, what you're saying is uh, very fascinating. And I think the, you know, so for example, the kind of content. So imagine you could show something on screen when somebody gets a headshot, right? Mm -hmm. Like an overlay. You know, the guys would come up with Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> I'll be back, right? Yeah. The girls, I mean, if you have a girl creator, I'm not saying they don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you get more diversity, right? You get romantic. Oh, honey, I died for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you look at it and you say, oh, man, this is so awesome, right? You get so many different ways of thinking into the uh, thing. So I think that's uh, pretty amazing. So. And, and it solves the other problem, which is, you know, not enough inclusion inclusivity in game development which is something we do talk about around around here pretty frequently is you know the more representation from all walks of life all all over the world the more people we get in on the creation of the actual gaming content the better it's a self-correcting system once we get enough people in on it bringing their experience and their preferences into the creation of that content then the players are going to find what they want too because they're they're the same people you know yeah. A, a really funny story. This is from very early in the internet era. There was this company that was, you know, on the board of, and they were supposed to design a place where women talked about products. And, you know, they're not getting any traction and the board didn't know what to do. And CEO was nice guy, but he's struggling. So one day we are having this board meeting and there's a coffee break and people walk out. And, uh, you know, after the coffee break, 
we all come back together and one of the board member makes an observation, you know, it struck me that we are designing a product for women to chat, but there are no women in the development team. Yeah. Yeah. And so they went out and actively changed that and the product just took off. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting how a lot of the discussion changed. Like the colors went from blue and black to pink, orange, lighter colors, you know, but is there was like, you couldn't point to one thing which happened, but as a whole, uh, you know, lots of things happened. It's, I think it's just, this was more balanced point of view. And that has to happen in gaming. I mean, now, you know, the number, especially mobile gaming, you know, there are as many women playing games as men playing games. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, you know, from all over the world. So this inclusivity actually helps the game developer. At least you need that thought to have equal weight on the table. So. It it sort of takes care of itself when we stop trying to think like the people we would like playing the things and and bringing them into into the room yeah. and bringing them to the table. So makes perfect sense to me. I'm uh, I'm excited about more cloud hosting for for uh, this kind of content and seeing what developers are able to do with it. I think that's going to be great. So as we sort of bring things home, let people know uh, where they can go to check all this stuff out. Uh, point them any direction uh, you see fit. Yeah, you know, I can't remember long names, so we chose now.gg. You know, <laughs> it's just five letters. So it's easy. And I think if you go there, uh, you can find uh, everything you need. And, uh, you know, from a developer perspective, it's fairly straightforward to get your games on the cloud. And, you know, it's really amazing experience from a user perspective. So very cool stuff. And I look forward to seeing where it goes from here. So uh, thanks a ton for doing this. I would love to check back in with you soon and uh, see how things are going again sometime. No, thank you, Doc. If you enjoy Game Dev Breakdown, hit subscribe so you can catch those future episodes as they happen. You can find show notes at CodeWritePlay.com. My book, Inside Video Game Creation, is available now on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats. We do video shows at YouTube. And if you would like news and articles from around the web each week, you can subscribe to the newsletter available on the uh, newsletter tab at CodeWritePlay.com. We're on Twitter at GameDevPod, at CodeWritePlay, and me at MechaToddZilla with one D and two L's. Reach out about anything at any time. Thanks, everybody. More next week for CodeWritePlay and GameDev Breakdown. I'm Todd Mitchell. Thanks, and we will talk to you soon. Congratulations on your game dev breakdown, whatever that is. Sounds idiotic to me.